0: Hello and welcome to episode 50 of When Life Gives Your Lemons, Go Vegan. I'm your host, Corinne Nidja. And in this podcast, I share people's incredible stories of recovery after adopting a low-fat, whole-food, plant-based diet. Each week, I share people's stories of chronic disease, of healing diseases such as type 2 diabetes, heart disease, multiple sclerosis, <sighs> Crohn's disease, ulcerative colitis, rheumatoid arthritis. There's so many. I just feel so grateful that these people are willing to come on and share their story and their darkest moments with you all in the hopes of helping to inspire you or to motivate you to give this way of eating a try, to see if it will help you heal your own chronic disease Ah this week I was so very excited to interview Dr. Shireen Kassam. Shireen is a consultant hematologist over in the US and she is a lymphoma doctor and has done loads and loads of work with people who have lymphoma and other blood diseases and her you know her <laughs> she has been plant-based since 2013 vegetarian since 2001. So she is long-term plant-based doctor and expert in plant-based nutrition, lifestyle medicine. She began the plant-based health professionals UK group that you can check out on social media and on, yeah on Facebook and follow them. And she also they they launched. Plant-Based Health Professionals UK in uh, 2018, earlier this year at VegFest, and she is working with other doctors and other professionals to, you know, to help people to learn more about whole food plant-based eating, how to incorporate it into their lives, how, you know, how to just how to nail being plant-based. And... We talked in this episode about all kinds of things, a lot about lifestyle diseases and what we mean when we talk about lifestyle diseases on this show. We also talked about things like heme iron because I think a lot of people are confused about iron and our doctors tell us that the most absorbable iron is heme iron and and that's true and according to Dr. Dr. Kasam that is true, but she had so much more to talk about when it comes to iron, how it's absorbed what forms are better absorbed by our bodies and utilised by our bodies. It was really interesting to me. So I hoped it would be interesting to you. I think a lot of people say, you know, I hear it all the time that they can't go vegan because they're anemic and they can't store iron and those types of things. So it was really fascinating to hear from Dr. Kassam about this area in particular. And we also talked a lot about the carnist diet and the diet where people only consume meat, that they avoid... Plant foods at, at at all. They don't have any plant foods in their diet. As I I you know I was fascinated and intrigued by when I learned about this way of eating. As far as it's so so contradictory to everything that I believe in, so it was interesting to hear Doctor Kasam's perspective on a carnist diet. Because to me, it seems absolutely dangerous and almost anti-healthful. So yes, it was very interesting to hear her perspective on this because a lot of people, like celebrities, are talking about it. Not a lot, but Jordan Peterson, (laughs) he was on the Joe Rogan podcast recently. And that's what piqued my attention. I have heard it a couple of times from different different people. So it was great to hear her perspective on that too. Yes, I learned a lot this episode. I was so grateful to have... Dr. Kassam on the show and to learn more about how, you know, UK, UK plant-based doctors are working together to spread this message and to, to transform the medical system over there as far as incorporating more nutrition-based research and science into into their work, into helping their patients, into 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 mainstream medicine. And the same, you know, and be, just just feeling so positive, thinking about, you know, we have here Doctors for Nutrition that just started recently, where um, the beautiful Lucy Stegley from Raw Events and Dr. Helene Rooks. There's possibly more people involved in that project. But I mean, those two have been pioneers for the starting that not-for-profit organisation Doctors for Nutrition here in Australia, and we have PCRM, Physicians for Responsible Medicine, over in the States. And combined, it's just so exciting to think that there are these groups of individuals and doc- medical professionals who are forging ahead, spreading this message to the masses, which is so exciting. So I'm very, very excited for the future of plant based medicine, lifestyle medicine. And what it means for sick care, you know, hospitals is where sick, you know, where people go when they're sick, and healthcare is, you know, on our plates at home in our life. So, yes, I am very excited. So I'm so ho- I hope that you all enjoy this, this week's episode, and let's
1: get started. Hello, Shireen, and welcome to the show. Oh, hi Corinne! Lovely to be with you, and thank you for the invite. <laughs> thank you so much for coming. Uh, so, I've given you a bit of a
0: background, and so if you just want to start by just letting us know who you are and telling your story, that would
1: be so awesome. Thank you. Uh, so, my name's Shireen Kassam. I live in the UK. Um, recently moved to Hampshire from from London, and um, I'm a consultant hematologist working in London at King's College Hospital. I mainly look after patients with um, lymphoma, so a type of cancer of the lymphatic system and a huge number of different types of lymphoma. Um, And I also do laboratory diagnostics, so I look down the microscope and make diagnoses of um, hematological um, cancers, so blood cancers, um, and integrate various results into um, reports and um, I I am plant-based as well so I count myself as a plant-based doctor and I have been vegan or plant-based since 2013 having been vegetarian um, since about 2001 and I became plant-based or vegan uh, for ethical reasons primarily but then when I started looking into how to eat and feed myself and um, advise patients on nutrition and diet. I was just amazed at the wealth of information out there supporting the role of plant-based nutrition and diet in promoting optimal health and potentially treating and reversing lifestyle related diseases. So um, now on the side, I have an organization called Plant-Based Health Professionals UK, which I founded um, last year, almost exactly a year ago. It got off the ground at London VegFest in 2017. And we have a team of individuals, mainly um, doctors, but there's nurses and nutritionists and um, various people um, who are promoting plant-based nutrition here in the UK. Um, So that's a little potted uh, story about myself. yeah and we're just promoting plant-based nutrition um, in in the UK which is really a little bit behind other countries in terms of recognizing the power of uh, nutrition and health.
0: Wow that's a lot that's really great. So you're working you know as a consultant hematologist and blood on blood cancers and so how how have you found the merging the two kind of your plant, your passion in plant-based nutrition with your work as a doctor like how has that gone for you has there been obstacles
1: <laughs> yeah so i think i think it's difficult um as a whole the nhs the the um you know the healthcare system here in in the uk and england um, is not really promoting plant-based nutrition per se. I mean, having said that, um, Public Health England has a, a rather good eat well guide that's worth looking at, which came out a couple of years ago. And I'm quite supportive of it because it does promote plants um, and uh, tells people to minimise red meat, processed meat, etc. cetera. But um, the UK has been rather co-opted by the high fat, low carb movement, um, which has been undermining quite a lot of the NHS and public health messages. Um, And so it's straddling that sort of uh, messaging in the the NHS. Um, And I find that in the environment I'm working in, it's still very much uh, uh, one that promotes eating meat and meat protein is healthy and dairy is essential and um, eggs are a good source of protein and nutrients. And so I sort of feel at the moment I'm leading two lives. I'm treating patients with lymphoma, obviously talking to them about my um, knowledge on nutrition and what I advocate. But on the other side, um, they go and meet our dieticians who very much advise them to be keeping meat in the diet. Um, So yes, so that's one half of what I do. And then outside of work, I feel like I have a slightly different life where I'm promoting plant-based nutrition. And I still have to find a way to to marry up the two, um, partly because um, when patients are initially diagnosed with Cancer—it's such a lot to take in. To then think about changing your whole diet as well, given that most of the people I'm I'm treating are eating what's considered a traditional um, Western diet. Um, but I think um, the main chance to help and improve people's lives with nutrition comes when they've completed treatment. Um, you know, which is usually sort of you know somewhere between four to eight months of of chemotherapy. Um, And they're looking to improve their quality of life and health going forward, hopefully now being in remission. And I'm then able to share information with them. Um, My interactions with them then become quite infrequent and they're back to primary care. And then it depends on who they're seeing in their primary care setting as to whether they're supportive of plant-based nutrition or, or not. Um uh, the good thing is, though, that there are a large number of plant-based doctors now in the UK and we're hopefully coming together to have a voice and to get our message out there. So with your
0: outside work, do you have pe- people coming to you who are unwell for a variety of reasons that you support in that, in that area? Yeah,
1: I mean, I get emails all the time about, can I come and see you regarding nutrition? Nutrition. I've got cancer. I do, and at the moment, I'm not. I'm not taking on um, patients as such in in terms of um, treating them with nutrition. But what I have done is, I've got a group of people around me who I can call upon to see individuals, mainly those who are in primary. Um, care who already got um, a a practice. So I'm sort of providing a filtering role, giving advice online and and via email and directing people to other plant-based health professionals in the area within the UK. Um, And hopefully my website and things will be um, uh, a useful resource to direct um, people's queries. But yes, I could make Uh, a side practice in this but um I don't feel that that's quite my role right now and I'm just trying trying to get individuals together to sort of form a movement and and that's taking taking up enough of my time. Yes and so with
0: your your plant-based
1: health UK is that what you're? Yeah plant-based so plant-based health professionals UK as I say it's a non-profit organization and we started off Um, by having or organising the first plant-based nutrition conference for health professionals back in March this year. So that was held at my hospital at King's College Hospital. Um, And um, we sold out way before the event. Um, And um, it was a mixture of health professionals and uh, general public. I had over two hundred people all taking part in this conference, um, and we had about eight, nine, ten speakers each um, going through the main areas of health and how um, a plant-based diet could and will uh, promote health and prevent various diseases. Wow, that
0: is so exciting! I think for myself and other people who are in. Who aren't doctors and who are well have been patients of the medical professional and have been have been let down a lot by the medical profession in lots of cases. It's so refreshing and exciting for me to hear that the future is looking so much brighter.
1: I, I agree. I think there definitely, yeah, that there definitely is uh,
0: a shift. It's, it's so exciting and so I'm so glad to have you on the show to talk about this because I think um a lot of people you know we do in our own little echo chambers, we do feel like sometimes it feels like you're just going around on a hamster wheel with nothing much, no, no, not much progress happening. And, you know, the World Health Organization's research around processed meats, for instance, has been out for so mm-hmm. long and yet processed meats know, are still on the shelves and still I know. my son's got Enough. a sausage sizzle at school tomorrow. And I'm just saying to my son, you know, can you believe that schools are feeding class one carcinogenics to
1: <laughs> to the kids to, to make a fun for a
0: fundraiser for yeah. uh, the AFL yeah.
1: it's just um, so sad feed, yeah we feed processed meats to our hospital patients it's, it's dreadful and I go to breakfast meetings at work where they serve a bacon sandwich in a white baguette and I'm the only one that shows dismay disgust outrage and then I'm just laughed at or ridiculed and everyone else is happy to carry on eating their carcinogen and you know and then we're talking about things like bowel cancer and bowel health and diagnostics and you know it's just it's just so um, perverse that on the one hand you know we're feeding people poorly and then we have individuals like myself trying to sort out the problems by uh, you know having to treat cancers so um, yeah but I, I think as, as as I said I think you know with a growing number of ethical vegans um, people are realizing they need a different way of eating um, so it's not a, it's not good enough to just be vegan obviously we're vegan for the animals for the environment for social justice but we need to be able to eat food uh, and, and and nutritious food and people don't know how to do that we've forgotten how to cook we've been reliant on processed foods and takeaways and restaurant meals for, for just far too long. So um, I think everyone is realizing that we just need to relook at what, what we're doing and how we're preparing food. And, and as I say, um, the conference we did in, in March was a was a sellout and it's full of general public who are wanting to understand the role of nutrition in, in health.
0: So it's so exciting that it was a sellout, and I know that L- Lucy Stegley, who runs Raw Events, and and who now has um, Doctors for Nutrition. Well,
1: I think that they're a chari- charity. They're pretty sure they're registered as a charity.
0: Yes, and charity, yeah, they're not for profit organisation, and it's it's amazing to see the audiences, like to see this wide, diverse audiences of people who who are wondering, who are curious about their health, and they're not all. You know, sometimes you think it's just you, you and your other vegan, whole food health, health health conscious friends who are in the audience listening to the same, you know, the same thing, but it's not. It's a whole wide variety of people who, you know, have come from all different backgrounds and stages and, and, and health experiences, you know, and you can see people in there who are obese or who are over, who are chronically unwell, or who are, and they're all wanting answers. And I think that it's a time when everyone's saying, you know, the the system hasn't worked. Let's try something new. Let's try to look for the cause rather than the 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 cure, as 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 much prevention rather than cures. Does that make sense?
1: <laughs> yeah, totally agree. I mean, as as we've heard many. Uh, plant-based doctors say that you know we've been for the last several decades we've we've been in a healthcare system that deals with sick health so we we're a sick health system we're not a healthcare system we need to go back to yeah we need to go back to promoting health which as you say starts with prevention and we know that lifestyle and diet are now the biggest causes of disease and disability and death in countries of affluence so your country my country america um the the data show that diet and lifestyle which includes alcohol and tobacco smoking um cause um the most number of deaths and loss of life um compared to any any anything else at all so we have the ability to change that and do something about that so that we can live healthy longer lives at the moment we're living longer and sicker yeah. and actually um in in, in the not too distant future we're probably going to be living less long compared to um uh, uh, other, other countries that have still got a more traditional um diet and um yeah i, I just think the impact is so huge but the, but the problem is that you know where is the incentive it's just so easy to carry on as we are and then hope that somebody else or something else will will fix us um and i think a lot of us have forgotten what it's like to feel well because we've been abusing our bodies for for so long um and and the other thing everyone forgets about is that well certainly here in the UK the third um top cause of death is healthcare pills and procedures you know how can it be that with our healthcare system we are causing death and disability um there's something very wrong with that
0: yes I only discovered this about two years ago when I was doing my some, some study myself that the third cause of death is your doctor <laughs> you know seeing seeing it con- con- consequences not the right not the right word but of of, of seeing of seeing a, a doctor um which is which is alarming and i don't think everyone everyone thinks you go to your doctor and you get well but it's the third leading cause of death in most and i think it's in in the states it is and i think in australia and i think in america in uk it is as well
1: yeah absolutely um and and, and it's because the way <clears throat> way we've been um trained as doctors is very much about fixing disease not promoting health and um, yeah, but I think I think as you say, things are changing. You know, in America now there's the <clears throat> American Lifestyle Medicine Asso- um, uh, uh, Association, and you can get a, um, a qualification in lifestyle medicine. And here in the UK, there's the British Society for Lifestyle Medicine also, and they are doing a great job here in the UK at promoting healthy lifestyles. Uh, my main issue, though, is that as I say. And the UK has been co-opted rather by the high fat, low carb movement, um, which to me is so disappointing on so many levels, because again, um, like with pills, it's not curing the disease, it's masking the problem. So yes, high fat, low carb temporarily will cause weight loss, temporarily will bring your blood sugars down, but it's not getting rid of the disease process. And um, just in the last month or so, there've been a couple of um, really good uh, papers showing that those following um, high fat, low carb um, diet, especially if um, the alternatives to the carbohydrates are coming from animal foods, so meat, dairy, eggs, um, that actually, you're going to have a shorter life expectancy that you're going to have more um, risk and um, increased risk from heart disease. Um, and, and as we've already said, you know, meat processed meat, red meat causes cancer. So the short term gains are going to be outweighed by the long term harm. So I really, really hope That the tide is going to turn um, in the UK away from the low carb movement, um, which really is is going to be a problem.
0: Yes, that's actually really. I'm glad that you were talking about this because I don't. My husband, I'm just outing him. He we we both listen to podcasts, and his favorite. Well, one of his favorite ones he listens to is Joe Rogan, and recently he had on Jordan Peterson. I don't know much about him, but anyway, he's going around. He's like a lecturer on basically kind of on society and maybe philosophy and society and social structure and social construction. I am doing a bad job. Anyone who knows him, I apologize. I just, I'll, the, the point isn't who he is. It was the, what he said. And in that interview, he was talking about how he is now a car a, following a carnist diet so he 's only he 's only eating meat and they Joe, Joe Rogan has you know millions of listeners, and this guy has you know hundreds of thousands of followers and they were talking about kind of saying i i 've reduced my blood pressure or, I think he 's some other issues he 's the healthiest he 's ever been and he 's only eating meat and I just was so sad <laughs> thinking about everyone listening going oh okay then i 'm just going to eat." Only meat, nothing else, no vegetables at all.
1: Oh man! I mean that—that that is just the opposite diet to what is going to promote health. And there's so many bad long-term issues associated with high-protein uh, diets based around uh, meat. I mean, where where do we even start? I mean, we've had so 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 many studies now that have shown the detrimental effects of high levels. Of um, meat in the diet, you know, it causes cancers. It promotes cancer by raising the insulin-like growth factor levels in the blood, which create tumors essentially. Um, You know, the it messes up your gut bacteria such that the um, uh, choline and carnitine in these animal products is converted into toxic substances that cause atherosclerosis so heart disease um it messes up the bowel health so you get diverticular disease colon cancer inflammatory bowel disease and it it creates inflammation as you know i mean you're somebody who's healed your body and um, from an autoimmune disease um you know meat causes inflammation it's been shown in studies that you eat meat your body becomes inflamed you eat plants your body becomes um That goes back to normal uh, with reduced inflammatory markers it's just it's just inconceivable to think that we are going to um, be healthy on a purely meat-based diet so our bodies are not even designed to deal with that sort of load you know all that acid that then needs to be excreted by the kidneys that will eventually fail you know our long guts that just mean that this meat just festers in the gut and and you know ruins the lining of the gut. I mean I could just go on and on. It's just the worst worst diet. I didn't even mention heme iron, which is toxic in so many ways. So um, yeah, I, I sadly the, these effects that he he he's seeing in the short term, long term a the diet's not sustainable and b it's going to be disease promoting. There's no doubt. Thank you.
0: I actually do want you to go into the heme iron because people. People talk about heme iron all the time and how we can't get heme iron on a vegan diet and all all the – so please, can you please talk about it a little bit? I, I know I'm not saying that, you know, you're – but I'd love to hear your thoughts on it because I, I, I'm not an expert and I don't work in this area, so I'd love to hear your thoughts on it.
1: Yeah, so, I mean, it's it's an emerging area actually, but there is there are good data now in the scientific literature showing that really – Heme iron is not the preferential iron that we need for our bodies. So the heme iron is coming from um, the iron in haemoglobin, which is in our red blood cells and from um, muscle. Um, So you only get it when you're eating animal products and it's absorbed better than the plant ions. um, But um, that doesn't mean it's better for us. So we've always been led to think that, um, you know, lots of iron in the diet is crucial and, and essential and we must get it for meat. But that really isn't the case. And actually the way the body handles the heme iron um it is is creating inflammation so the iron molecule in that is actually creating stress what we call oxidative stress in the body um, which leads to inflammation in the gut also it is um, promoting the creation of um, n-nitroso compounds so things like nitrosamines which are the cancer forming um, chemicals um, and also it's been shown that heme iron um, intake increases the risk of diabetes through this whole generation of inflammation and oxidative stress. And ultimately, so many of our diseases are related to inflammation, This, this your body's um, chronic state of trying to heal the body. They, it, it does it through inflammation, but long-term inflammation, stress, oxidative of stress um is is creating diseases like heart disease diabetes and cancer Um, so really um one doesn't need this heme iron at all because we can get Um, iron from plant sources and yes our iron body stores will be lower on a plant-based diet but we're not going to be iron deficient All the major dietetic organizations state that you're not going to be iron deficient on a plant-based diet but your stores will be lower and we don't mind about that we need just enough we don't need excess And it's interesting that um, this doesn't really show cause and, uh, you know, causal relationship. It's just an association. But it is very interesting that, um, for example, blood donors that are donating red blood cells um, will naturally have lower iron stores and be getting rid of this heme iron and be preventing this heme iron accumulating in their body through the donation process. They actually have. Lower incidence of heart disease and cancer now there could be a number of reasons for that you know um, blood donors have different reasons for for donating blood and they're a healthy pool of individuals anyway but it's just a, a supportive evidence that a we don't need lots of heme iron in our body, and having slightly lower stores actually may be um, health promoting. Um, so, so that's my stance on on heme iron. As as the data is emerging, it's clear that it's not the preferential source of iron for our bodies.
0: Uh, Shireen, how much is just enough iron? For us, like, what would you say is, for, and probably it varies, but I mean, what would you say is is a, a good amount?
1: Yeah, um, I haven't got the numbers off the top of my head actually, um, and it varies um, for age group, and obviously, women need uh, potentially more than than men because um, you know, women certainly of childbearing age are are losing. Um, iron and their uh, regular um, menstruation, um, but really we we don't we don't need that much. And I apologise that I haven't got the. Um, That's fingers, okay. Uh, I sprung it on you, so <laughs> at the, the, the tip of my uh, fingers. But um, really, um, you you should be able to get all you need from from a, a, he- a healthy um, plant based diet, um, and uh, most of the the um, sort of vegan societies or vegan health um, websites will give you the exact uh, amount, but it's 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 in milligrams. It's small amounts, assuming that you're not bleeding from anywhere in a, in a pathological way, which most of us are, are not.
0: Yes. Okay. When people are talking to you, when we, when we're talking about sorry, when we were talking about the lifestyle disease being pretty much what the highest, I think a lot of people think are oh, cancer and heart disease are. The you know the, the the number one number two killers in in western in western civilization. But can you talk more about explain more what you mean by lifestyle diseases? Because I don't I don't think people understand that what what it means and what what diseases are included under that umbrella. If that makes sense, mm-hmm.
1: yeah. So um, uh, life when I talk about lifestyle diseases, I mean those illnesses diseases um that are caused predominantly by the way we're living our lives um, so that includes um, most importantly what we're putting into our body such as our diet um, other things that we ingest are obviously chemicals and pollutants that are are, are in our environment that get um, ingested through the food that we're eating um, and then other lifestyle choices such as whether you choose to smoke tobacco or not, um, how much alcohol you drink. Um, physical activity is a um, lifestyle choice um, that most of us are not getting enough of, but is associated with um, many health benefits. And the lack of physical exercise is also contributing to um, illness and disease. Um, other factors are um, uh, keeping stress you know psychological mental physical stress in 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 our lives at a minimum um as our life uh, as a lifestyle choice or or as we're able to um and um other things that um, are important include you know sleeping well um having enough sleep um and um being uh, safe in the sun, for example, so safe sun exposure for reducing risk of uh, of skin cancers. So those are the uh, broad categories of our lifestyle choices that are impacting on lifestyle diseases. And um, the top diseases that we're all dealing with every day are very much um, caused by our lifestyle choices. So, You've mentioned the top diseases that really are limiting our lives and causing disability and that they they are heart disease and cancer. Now, not every cancer can be prevented by um, lifestyle, um, but uh, the World Cancer Research Fund, which has just published a large document on cancer prevention, um, which um, uh, details the lifestyle choices one can make to reduce our risk of cancer. And they and other major cancer organizations um, state that up to 40%, if not more, of cancers could be prevented through healthy lifestyle choices. So that is through nutrition, through maintaining a healthful weight, so um, having a normal uh, body mass index, um, by promoting um, and eating predominantly plant foods, avoiding processed meats and red meats, um, limiting sugary beverages and other high sugar foods because they promote obesity, having regular physical activity. um, And I think those are the, oh, and obviously not smoking and limiting alcohol. So those are the main things for cancer, but actually they're the main things for preventing heart disease, high blood pressure, diabetes, kidney disease, Alzheimer's, or all the common prevalent diseases in our society.
0: Thank you so much for that because I think that it is they, – they kind of become like jargon kind of terminology that that your everyday person just thinks lifestyle. And they, and they also – when you're talking about the contributing factors, diet, environmental toxins, smoking, alcohol, physical activity, exercise – stress, sleep, all those things, it's like sun exposure. A lot of people I hear, sometimes when I post things on social media, people will say, oh, everything gives you cancer. You know, you've got to die of something. You know, everything's a toxin these days, you know. Oh. Like it's so overwhelming. And I do think that our social, um, social media kind of our information climate currently, it does become very overwhelming where it seems like, it's almost crippling for people because it's just every day a new thing, which is why I I try to focus on making the, those things clearer um, in this podcast by just focusing on the diet that I and the research and the science says is, is the most optimal for not only preventing disease, but for over optimal health and longevity in the long term because I think that a lot of people when you focus on like low, high protein low carb diets don't look at the the long-term side effects of of those of those diets on their health like you say and you know, people are looking at the short-term gains that they're going to lose weight that they're going to maybe hit, lower their blood pressure and possibly assist with type 2 diabetes but this is this diet's the only diet I've ever heard of that has so such an ever-reaching healing potential, which I which I which I haven't found in any other any other diet on the in all of the exploration that I've done, in all my research, and all the research of the
1: amazing doctors and guests on this show. No, absolutely. I mean, we forever being. Um told contradicting information in the news so so we have no clue so for one one moment alcohol is good for the heart the next moment you know um, any alcohol I- I is toxic um, and uh, you know one moment it it's great to have eggs and it doesn't affect your cholesterol and on the other hand you know the World Health Organization is telling us to limit processed meat um, it's confusing I'm confused as well and that with having the, the, the knowledge that I, I have access to. And um I, I think everyone has to find a source of information um that is um clear, that is well respected um for from individuals that are actually treating patients and healing disease with the diet that they're choosing. Um and and a diet and a lifestyle that has been associated with the long term health, uh, as you say, I mean, we have known that predominantly plant based diets have been healing and preventing disease for for decades and centuries. This is not new knowledge. We've just confused um, the science by creating these different types of, of diets. Um, that never really existed in 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 our history, um, there are only very small populations out there that have ever been eating high protein um, diets for 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 centuries um we 've been eating predominantly plants um with small amounts of uh, of meat and animal products and and none none of the plant based doctors are really saying you can never eat any meat dairy or eggs but it needs to be minimized and it probably needs to be less than 10 percent of your your calories um to really get the healing properties of all the plant foods that one is eating and and then it's common sense we have to eat real food we can't rely on a supermarket processed food to to um give give us good health we have to eat whole plant foods, whole grains, fruits, vegetables, beans, nuts and seeds. Um, and, and yeah, unfortunately, that means we have to learn to cook. Um, but um, in, in the long term, it's going to promote long health and prevent disease. Um, I, I guess it's also worth saying, though, that a, a single diet choice is not going to prevent every disease and there's always stories coming out saying my friend was vegan and he still got bowel bowel cancer and you know firstly there's there's vegan and there's vegan you know vegans are not necessarily all healthy however we're never going to prevent every disease on this planet but what we can do mother nature is- has to
0: kill us we're a plague
1: absolutely, <laughs> absolutely. and cancers will always arise you know heart disease diabetes will always happen to some extent but we could prevent maybe 70 80% of our lifestyle diseases as a population by adopting healthful diets and all those other lifestyle choices that um we talked about and that that will give our body the greatest chance um to avoid disease but there's no way that we're all going to avoid every every disease
0: Absolutely. And I think that a lot of people also stop making the transition because of those stories, because people say, oh, but such and such, they were vegan, it didn't work for them. or they were." And as you say, vegan, there's a spectrum of what vegan even means. You know, some people have much higher fats, much more processed foods, much more. Vegan doesn't mean health. There's not. Vegan doesn't mean healthy. <laughs> it just means my people are ethical vegans and then there's plant-based, whole food, plant-based, raw fruitarian, raw vegan. Yeah, there's 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 so much move like movement from each veganism can cover so so many things, is what I'm trying to say. Absolutely.
1: I- Absolutely. And the studies have shown that it's not good enough just to be eating plants alone. It's the quality of the diet that's important. So having a junk food vegan diet is probably almost as bad as having um, a, you know, traditional inverted commas Western diet that's centered around meats and dairy. It, and it,
0: I, I think so. All those fake meats are so high in salt and fat and sugars, all those things like that, you know, they, they definitely can't be good for you in the
1: long term. <laughs> no, absolutely. And companies are making them so that we will get addicted for those all those reasons you say, salt, fat, sugar. Um, but, and you know, I think they make great transition foods and great treats. And it's great to be able to go out and eat those sort of um, things that perhaps some people miss on a plant-based diet however, that's not the solution to our to our health crisis um and so I think yes in in this era of uh, of making money out of the newly um, uh, developed vegan population, uh, I think we have to be mindful of the fact that it's the quality of the diet and actually you could have a better quality meat-based diet compared to a junk food vegan diet so really it's about the quality of the food and eating whole foods um, and and concentrating on whole grains vegetables fruits legumes and um, nuts and seeds if people are listening and they're wanting to make the switch how
0: what would be the first like three steps that you biggest tips that you would have for people who are listening who are thinking? I'm just confused, I'm so overwhelmed, there's so much gluten-free, paleo, keto, there's this, there's that, like where should I start today? So I feel confident moving forward.
1: Yeah, I, I think we have to, to just start with some common sense. As I say, people know we have to be eating fruits and vegetables. That That's not a surprise to anyone, even somebody without any nutrition knowledge knows that fruits and vegetables have to form the basis of our diet. So I think while somebody is trying to make the transition if what the only thing one does is just increase the number of portions of fruits and vegetables in in the daily um diet that would be amazing you know we we know that we probably need to be eating nine, 10, 11 portions of fruits and vegetables to get the maximum benefit in terms of reducing heart disease and cancer. So increase those fresh fruits and vegetables and find ones that you like. It doesn't matter what which ones you eat. Um, obviously, we know that the darker the colour The more the antioxidants and nutrients in that fruit and vegetable um, compared to the more pale-coloured ones. So go with all the dark fruits and vegetables that we can, and emphasise the leafy greens, um, etc. So I think while one's considering what to do, like there's no controversy. Even the uh, high-fat, low-carb movement know that fruit and vegetables are great for you. And then I think one probably needs to take the time to to figure out how we're going to transition the common and favorite foods in our um, diet to one that's predominantly centered around um, uh, uh, plants. So, um, you know, PCRM, so Physicians Committee for Responsible Medicine, for example, do a 21 day kickstart program, which I think, you know, would be excellent for anyone who's interested in transitioning to just take part in because it's free and it's online. But what I think that they make you do is really think about every meal that you're eating and thinking how you can make it more plant based, because there's a plant based version of every meal, you know, I love curries, and I eat loads of curries. And really, literally, you can curry any vegetable, any bean, any pulse. Um, So you just have to think about how you're going to convert that meal that you're used to eating um, into one that, Um, plant-based and just take the time go to the supermarkets look online go to the restaurants and just see what's available in that plant-based meal and then you have to have take the time to um, transition your store cupboard and your your uh, fridge freezer etc into all those plant-based foods and just and just get a recipe book that's simple straightforward that will be able to help you transition to more plant based eating. Um and I, I think nobody can do it overnight. I think everyone takes a different amount of time. And as I say, those sort of um more processed foods are a good transition food. Um and you know can can be a side a part of a plate that's full of mainly vegetables and whole grains um, and, and I think eventually you'll find that the tastes and the flavours and stuff are so rewarding that um, you, people or you will be more adventurous in terms of what you're trying um, and you need to stick with whatever your, your your changes you're making for three to four weeks so that your taste buds adapt and change but it only takes that amount of time and then when you go back to the meats and the processed foods etc they suddenly are not going to taste as as wonderful as as you remember it's interesting that you say that because
0: today I read a, a comment and a woman was saying that she has gone plant-based and what she didn't like, she'd been plant-based for three weeks and what she didn't like about it now was that, which is interesting because I have the opposite thoughts and a lot of people talk about this, is that now all of a sudden whenever she eats a little bit of dairy or a little bit of this or a little bit of that, she feels so sick. Oh, interesting. <laughs> yeah. Interesting. And and she was like, I don't like this. I want to, I should be able to eat anything I want and now I can't eat anything because I feel so unwell whenever I eat, you know, dairy or meat or whatever. Whenever I eat anything, my body is giving me these go, ooga. ooga. <laughs> this, is, this is making me feel sick now. And I wanted to see what you, your thoughts on that is because I know my thoughts on it are, but I'd like to hear, it, hear what your thoughts on that are.
1: Yeah, well, I, I guess it's difficult You know. Everyone has a different experience when they're transitioning. I mean, I think on, on one level, as I've said before, people don't know what it's like to feel healthy and normal after a meal you know we're so used to eating meat dairy eggs etc all these heavy foods high proteins, and things that that then are leading to sort of abdominal discomfort and bloating etc but we've sort of and, and heartburn and and we've we've sort of got used to that and decided that's normal so I can imagine for people once they go back to that and realize that actually it's not normal to feel that way after a meal, then that could be a a reason because you're suddenly getting all the health benefits of eating mainly plant-based and then you go back to a small amount of food that was giving you bloating or heartburn and you realize that actually that's not the normal way to feel. Um, I think for me, um, it was mainly, you know, I, I wouldn't even be able to put these foods in my mouth because I I understand where they come from you know the the fact that dairy is coming from a cow usually uh you know and that cow is being milked and it's full of all these growth hormones and um uh proteins and things that are there to create growth in the body and that to me just seems odd that we're drinking the milk of another species so that that's what's going to stop me because I finally understand what it is that we were putting in our, our mouths or the, you know, the fact that you have a bit of meat on your plate, we call it meat, but if, it, you know, it is flesh from a animal that was alive and, you know, to sit down at a meal and eat that with, you know, my companion animal or dog or cat next to me just doesn't feel right. So that would make me feel ill. So I think people may feel ill for different reasons. Either they realize what it is that they're eating and drinking or because, their
0: bodies have got used to a better diet. Yes, it's interesting that you say that, and I, I, I um, don't want to go on too much about this. But I, when I was listening to that interview with um, Joe Rogan and Jordan Peterson, and he was talking about his carnivore diet, I feel like with that, that kind of mentality, that mindset about those ty- around those types of diets, I what what frustrates me about them is. Is the environment not just the animal victims um, of of that diet? Because you know you need a, you need a lot of animals to keep you feeling full each day. If you're just eating um, flesh foods and and meat based foods alone, what bothers me is the is the environmental impact of that diet. It, it, it seems to me qu- quite a short-sighted and self-serving way of eating when you think about the impact on the animals and then the impact on the planet with deforestation. If the whole world, the whole 7-point-something billion people on Earth decided to adopt a animal-based, one 100% animal-based diet, what that would mean for the forests, the waterways, the airways, the the, the and wildlife being completely... Yeah people talk about all the time about animals going extinct and I think they're going extinct because we destroy their habitats to farm animals and grow crops to feed these animals endlessly, and I think that you know, when he was talking about it, I was just thinking, you know, that you're talking to millions of people promoting eating a meat-only diet, which means that more people are going to try this diet as a fad and cause much more deforestation, much more damage in dead ocean dead zones, much more, you know, increase the time frame of when the oceans going to be completely devoid of marine life. There's a huge toll on that kind of diet that doesn't exist or doesn't exist as high or as much on a plant-based diet. So anyway, yeah, I agree with you. I feel sick thinking about it because of what it means for the future of my children and for the future of their children and the future of the planet as a whole.
1: Absolutely, and you know, no diet is going to be a hundred percent perfect. You no, know, of course, you not. and I could probably pick holes in the plant-based diet as well. And of
0: course, of course, we can.
1: And you know the way we're also farming means that a lot of our foods now, plant food, don't have as much nutrients as we think that they should or they used to. Um, but um, when you look at our planet as a whole and everything and everyone that lives on it, a plant-based diet is the only thing that's going to promote the health of the humans, the animals, and the environment. So it's just a, it's just a non, it's just a no-brainer. Uh, for me um in, in that you know we we know we know what's going to create and heal ourselves and our planet and and um you know create some social justice for the animals really which is has been something that we've all been too happy to ignore up to this point
0: yes i I completely agree I always say it's a win 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 you get three wins like how many how how many situations in life are there are just so many positives you know, there's just so many.
1: I know. But the, the trouble is that, um, as, as you you're rightly, um, we're not here to talk about the ethics of veganism. And I think that's what a lot of non-plant-based doctors uh, criticise us about, is that obviously they use our ethical viewpoints as reasons to discount the science. But actually, the science for human health and plant-based diets is pretty strong. I mean, you know, you, even without talking about the ethics of it, um, the, the the data is really compelling. And I think to ignore that because um, you know veganism is associated with uh, a social justice movement is denying ourselves uh, the chance to live healthy um, healthy lives, essentially. It's
0: really interesting that you point that out because I've been thinking of changing this podcast's name from When Life Gives Your Lemons Go Vegan, even though I find it funny and humorous, to my own name. Because I know a lot of people, the term vegan puts them off listening to a podcast. And I want this story and these messages to get out to people like my dad, who would never listen to a vegan podcast. And so... I didn't really think when I named it, I was thinking, you know what? I want to make a vegan podcast. I'm a proud vegan and that's my ethics. And I'm such a passionate, I'm so passionate about it. I became a vegan for a plant. I became plant-based first. And then I became an ethical vegan later in my journey. Once I made the connection to the animals and then to the environment and all those things. But... My desire to get these stories about health out to the masses—I'm feeling like it needs to be—and and it's unfortunate because because I agree with you—it's so unfortunate that it gets, once you say the word vegan and and the ethics of veganism and animal rights come into come into it, people just glaze over their eyes and they stop listening to this to the science and to the healing potential but I you know that's kind of where I'm thinking this podcast is going to go as a result of that because I want the people who like recently I did a talk and the um some of the guests at the talk said I hope she's not going to try and convert us to veganism (laughs) and I thought oh gosh like I'm I'm obviously yes (laughs) that is my intent but yeah no I, I think
1: I think it's really tough as uh, as as medics and health professionals etc um it, it's funny because um in in the medical literature there's all this um this uh chatter about whether um uh research uh performed by vegans and in inverted commas should be uh uh documented as a conflict of interest um You know, because if you're a vegan and you're publishing a study that supports a particular diet that's plant based, you know, whether that's a conflict and whether you can uh, be trusted to assess bias and and what have you in the literature. And obviously, institutions like PCRM, so Physicians Committee for Responsible Medicine, which have always outwardly been vegan and promoting animal um, ethics and and rights, etc., have come under that same um, criticism that you're vegan and therefore we can't believe anything that you write that promotes plant-based diets because there's a conflicts but nobody really talks about the opposite do they you know that actually most nutrition scientists are omnivores and if you if you write a paper that's supporting eggs and you eat eggs well surely that's a conflict and that, it, it just it's just ridiculous really and I'm really happy though to see that so many more plant-based doctors, and particularly in the US that previously hadn't been talking about their ethics, are now calling themselves ethical vegans. So Garth Davis, who wrote Proteinaholic, which is an excellent book, you know, Joel Kahn, who's been um, vegan, um, and is a plant-based cardiologist, he's been vegan since his early 20s, I think, and I think he's nearly 60 now, talks about how he's vegan for the animals and the environment as well and i think we just we 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 have we can't um uh, hide uh why we have chosen the diet pattern um but i think you know we are able to assess the data also um uh, and um give credible advice despite the fact that we are ethical <laughs> vegan. and and to me actually i think to have a doctor who's compassionate and um, uh, he, he is aware of social justice and injustice in our society he is much more um, compelling than than somebody who carries on, um, you know, with a diet that's harming both um, themselves, the animals, and and the environment. Absolutely,
0: I th- I I I always get so excited, which is why I was so excited to have you on the show, was to was to, is to meet doctors like yourself who are progressive, who are saying. Well, I'm talking that I'm walking the walk in a sense by by following a diet that is the most optimal for the planet, for the animals, for your own health and for the health of your patients. Rather than sitting there smoking and eating a cheeseburger in your lunch break and then going to your patients and saying, you know, oh, well, your BMI is too high and you need to exercise and, you know, maybe you should eat eat you know go on a diet or whatever and and not walking the walk like i'm not saying it's anything i'm not meaning to discredit those people as but i but i find it such a a much more empowering inspiring thing when i go into a doctor's office and i meet doctors like yourself or dr mark craig or dr anthony hodge you've been on this show dr malcolm Mackay, who are you know so Super healthy, you know, really excelling at life physically, and 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 challenging the status quo.
1: Yeah, no, I, I couldn't agree more. You know, the, the the health stats for medical professionals is just as terrible as the general public. You know, doctors are just as fat sick uh, uh, as as everyone else. Um, but it takes. Some conviction and strength to assess our own lifestyle choices and then make a change in an environment that's not really very supportive of that um and you know for me at work i i i'm pretty much well in my immediate workplace i am pretty much the only vegan actually and i'm pretty much ridiculed uh so um yeah. And as I say, I, you know, I'll talk to patients about a plant-based diet, but they'll go and see my colleagues who will, will recommend the diet that they choose to eat, which will be you know, meat based eggs, dairy, etc. And go, you know, say things like everything in moderation, which is just the most ridiculous um, statement, you know, there's no you can't take carcinogens and toxins in in moderation, it will always harm.
0: <laughs> I was talking to my husband about this yesterday, because people always say this to me, I think you would hear it just as much, you know, more than me even And and balance, you know, it's all about balance. And and balance doesn't. <laughs> it's just a mate It's it's just a saying we've heard so many times. We take it as as the truth. You know, we, we we all need balance. And what is balance? You know, my son yesterday he said, "Mum, can I have a push pop in my lunchbox?" Another kid at school had a push pop in there, which is a lollipop that know, you push that is, up. Okay. With. it's a lollipop that's like a. It's a largish lollipop that you push up with yeah. your finger, um, and. Yeah. Out of a plastic container, and so I don't like it because it's rubbish that goes into landfill and just never gets rid of. But I also don't like it because it's a it, my son. Not only is it just sugar, red, bright coloured sugar for his lunchbox snack, which he'll have in his mouth for the whole of lunch because he's a slow lollipop eater. Mm-hmm. Which means for his teeth and his cavities, and it's just yeah. a it's just a nightmare. But I mean, in moderation. If I said that in moderation, some people moderation means that they have that that one of them every week, and some people moderation means that they have it every day. They get one treat a day, or they get one chocolate a day, or one lolly a day. What does it mean? And like, do you have crack in moderation? Can you have heroin in moderation? You know, we all know you can't have those things. Why do we think our kids can have these sugars that we know are addictive? We know they cause obesity. (laughs) We know they cause cavities. We know that they. You know that they do so many things. Type two diabetes, all these different types of things. That these and they're so addictive that they changes the way their palates are in their mouth and what their foods, what type of foods that they like, and whether they want going to want to eat broccoli again for another month. <laughs> you know,
1: like yeah, I totally agree. And then you know, for people that do get addicted to foods, which as you say, foods are, these processed foods are designed to be addictive. That's exactly how they've been created. And then we just blame the individual when actually. The um, food scientists, and the, <laughs> yeah, and the food scientists have created this addictive food, um, and then you know we tell people it's their personal responsibility to make sure they're not overweight or ill or or you know addicted to sweets and what have you. When actually we're in a culture and an environment that's uh, designed products. To be quite the opposite, to be addictive, to be unhealthy, uh, and then we spend all this money promoting them. I um, mean And promoting yeah, we them to whole-
0: children. And it's just to me, that's just the most heartbreaking of it all, because we promote them as children and they form these habits that they take on for their whole life where they're addicted to this junk food. And oh, it's just so frustrating to deal with. I don't even know how we got onto that topic. But
1: I- yeah, I know. <laughs> I know. But as you say, I think as, as, you know, the medical profession change and it's being driven by people, people, people want to know the truth and they're able to find it out themselves. And despite in spite of their doctors, they're making the change. And, you know, I, 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 I suspect that you made the change without support of your medical professionals around you. And more and more people are doing that and then seeking out doctors that really align with, um, their ethics or their viewpoints um and and luckily there are more and more of us who are available to um um to to help it's so wonderful i'm so grateful to people like
0: yourself who are leading the way in this movement for of lifestyle medicine of you know doctors um, practitioners who are for nutrition and in support of nutrition as a tool for prevention as a as a as a as one of the greatest tools for prevention of chronic disease,
1: mm, absolutely.
0: So thank you so much. And now before we, before I hang up, if you could just let us know where we can all find you and follow you, so that I, I will say it again, but I mean, I'd love to hear it from you. We can follow follow you on social media, where we can find you on online. That would be wonderful.
1: Yeah. So mainly um, uh, on Facebook um, under Plant Based Health Professionals UK. Um, and I have a website which is undergoing a revamp, so it will look um, brighter and better in the next couple of weeks, which is pbhp.uk. So plant based health but abbreviated to pbhp.uk and you'll find all our events and educational material um, and information sheets etc on the website Um, and then day to day I communicate via the Facebook page um, which you can find a link to from the website also.
0: Brilliant thank you so much Shireen I've loved talking to you and hearing from you and I am so excited to know that Plant-Based Health Professionals UK is out there and that you're collaborating with Doctors for Nutrition here with the wonderful Lucy Stegley and the wonderful Dr. Helene Rooks. Uh, and, and the future is looking so much brighter and just knowing that your organization, PCRM and the Lifestyle medic Medicine qualifications are becoming more and more available for doctors who are wanting to follow those paths academically. It's just such a great and exciting time. And even though we've talked about lots of negative, depressing things, it, 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 it isn't a depressing time. It's a really, really positive time for healthcare and for humanity and for the future of the planet as far as I, that, I
1: agree. Yeah. The direction I, I everything's hopeful. going. Yeah. I feel disappointed a lot, but I also equally feel hopeful that change is happening. It really is happening every day um and you know we'll look back in five ten years time and i think we'll be eating differently and there'll be more plant-based um, doctors available and um using their 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 knowledge to prevent disease absolutely absolutely i always say um
0: <laughs> when i'm talking about it i always say you don't want to be a late adopter you know no one wants to be you the know, last person to the- give up their slaves at the end of the slavery you know or at the end of you know whatever when women when the last person to think that women shouldn't have the right to vote or the last person who wanted yeah. to you know destroy the indigenous societies around you know, you want it, you want to be a f- early adopter of things that are against oppression and <laughs> destruction of species peoples planets <laughs> that kind of thing mm-hmm. so
1: absolutely
0: you don't want to be the last one mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, thank you so much again and I I hope everyone listening enjoyed this episode and thank you so much for coming on the show Shireen pleasure Thank you so much, Dr. Kasam Shireen. <laughs> Thank you so much, everyone, for listening. Thank you, everyone who's left a rating and review over at Stitcher or iTunes. And if you haven't yet subscribed, you can you should. Because I put out new episodes every Sunday slash Monday filled with amazing recovery stories. And next week is no exception, because I am interviewing Dan and Sean from Indian Rock Vegans, and their story is going to explode your brains and fill your heart with so much happiness and joy and sadness and every emotion you can think of. It's so inspiring. I am still reeling from talking to them and eating so much more spinach and kale and ginger and turmeric and garlic than ever before. Yes, you can find me obviously on Stitcher app as well and Android app. And if you have time, you could also like go over and subscribe to my channel, Corinne Ninja, where the first 22 episodes are available and more will be coming. And even an actual, not just audio, but soon there'll be an episode of video with Chef AJ, the amazing Chef AJ. Should be my first ever, not just audio, but video over at YouTube. And looking forward to that, very nervous about that. And I'm hoping to get more video to you soon over there. So it'll be not just audio, but it'll also be the video of us two chatting away. So, yeah, give it a try. (laughs) Subscribe. Give it a thumbs up. Go and give some love to the episodes that are already there and all of your support. Obviously, I'm so grateful for it, but all of your support, if you share this with your family and friends, if you share it on social media, give them thumbs up, give them, you know, subscribe, all those kinds of things. Ratings and reviews, they really, 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 I can't stress it enough, they really help these stories reach the people who need to hear them, the people who need the inspiration, people who are feeling lost, alone, desperate, sad, frightened. These stories are for those people, people that are sick, people that are like my guests in the immediate weeks after they were diagnosed, like myself in the immediate weeks, months after I was diagnosed, I needed those stories. I needed these stories. And the guests on my show needed these stories. Everyone who is feel, living with chronic disease needs to hear these stories. So, your support helps so much. So, please take the time, share it on social, these stories on social media. Pick the ones that resonate with you that you've liked the most or enjoyed the most and share them with your family and friends because, or tag them, people in them, or comment on the post, like them, engage with them. Because your support is what helps people find them and possibly saves their life. I know that sounds extreme, but these stories help save my life. They help save my guests' lives. So it doesn't take much time for us to share, but it takes, you know, it takes such a small effort on our, on our parts. But it's such a huge, a huge gift to the people whose lives that these stories might change. So thank you so much for listening. Thank you for your support. And I can't wait to speak to you all next week for the Indian Rock Vegans. (laughs) Bye.